And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in. <laughs> Had a couple shifts in that one to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is Beat writer Patrick Lyons, and on this episode, we're going to do a little bit of focusing in, starting to look at some of the Rockies' off-season priorities, uh, really laying the groundwork for much deeper conversations we're going to get to have once the off-season begins, and we can start diving into which free agents in particular the Colorado Rockies should be targeting. We're going to talk a little bit more today about what kind of things in general the Rockies should be targeting. But of course, before we do that, Patrick, as we must, while we can still say the phrase, there are still baseball games being played. And so we've got to take them in. And thus far, zero wins in the championship series for the bad guys. That's right. I said it. I left it where it was. I put it right out there. The Tampa Bay Rays able to come through and finish off the win they were working on while we were recording yesterday's podcast have gone up two to nothing in their series and the Atlanta Braves coming through in game one with a decisive victory over the Los Angeles Dodgers have managed to maybe not quite yet shock the world but put themselves on a path Toward shocking the world potentially uh, if they can go out there and not just beat the Dodgers, but beat the Dodgers in the series the way they beat them in that game. Uh, I, I think that'll be uh, that, that'll send a little bit of a message to, to how those guys are feeling about themselves. Pretty entertaining championship series stuff so far, though, Patrick. Yeah, both both series getting off to to pretty solid starts. We're seeing more of a pitching duel, so to speak, between Tampa and, and Houston. Usually, that's the other way around, where you've got uh, a lot of run scoring in the American League, not so much in the the NL right now. Right. And it's 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 been a good slow start. I think both teams are are staying calm, copacetic. Uh, that was pretty much the way it went, and between LA and San Diego before they got around to Game Two and. Temper started to heat up, so I th no. think we should start to really, you know, see that uh, today uh, with with Atlanta and, and LA. Uh, as LA has got a lot to fight for right now, it's it's scoreless as we record this. But you know, having Kershaw being scratched obviously is a disappointment. He's looking to be ready by Game Four, but you know, Dodgers have numerous rookies that they've been turning to. Tony Gonsolin, 
uh, has been a real dude for them this year. I remember him pitching at, you know, um, Coors Field last year, just in relief with that wacky mustache he had yeah, and just going like, oh, okay, I guess this is just a guy they found out of nowhere. And, yeah. and then looking at his baseball reference page and be like, oh no, he's, he's not 32 with a handlebar mustache. Like he's, he's just a young quirky guy and he, yeah. uh, he's, he's delivering so far and in, in game two and yeah, Tampa and, and, and Houston, you know, I, I like to see that they've been flipping spots. Like again, Houston and Tampa, they played the day game yesterday uh, tonight, uh, Tuesday, they're going to be recording or they're going to be playing at night. So it's nice that both teams are kind of getting a little bit of the spotlight. That was some of the issues I think that came around in the wild card series, at least for some clubs having to play at about noon every day, right. like in the twins in Minnesota. Brutal. That was brutal. That's kind of strange, you know, cause you, cause you want, you know, all these teams deserve to be there in one form or another. And, and, and certainly the home team deserves to have that home field advantage because they're one of the top four seeds uh, in their respective division. So, you know, they certainly deserve to be highlighted. So it's kind of hard to do that when people are, are still at work. So it's nice that MLB has found a way to be able to spotlight, you know, both series here at, with night games in the early going. Yeah. And, and as you said, you know, the uh, Dodgers and Braves game two is just underway as we're recording today. No score yet. Literally, they're they're in the top of the first still, I think, or they may have just gone to uh, the bottom of. But yeah. So if there are any updates on that, we'll let you know. It looks like uh, already one horrible strike call on Marcelo Zuna slider way out of the zone. If this, this graphic is to be believed, just the first thing I saw when I pulled the game up. Always fun when that can happen, but um, uh, relatively low, actually, drama or controversy in, in these playoffs so far. There haven't been, you know, uh, it was just last year, right, where we had multiple base path calls that were really controversial and, and came up big moments in games, uh, some big ball strike calls that were highly contentious. And so far, there really hasn't been much of that, which uh, – much to my chagrin that it means maybe we won't move toward a better system sooner. It, it's still better for baseball when, when things are officiated better and it's fair and the players are the ones deciding the outcomes. Yeah. And, and maybe it's uh, again, it's a small sample size, but we can certainly hope that maybe, you know, MLB has put their best teams in both of these series. Um, you know, we can't, can't really dance around the fact that, you know, the, the umpires, uh, association, they're, they're a union and, you know, they have evaluation systems. And again, a lot of the umpires that you know, well, it's for notorious reasons. You know, it's, it's being, being a, uh, a bad umpire is like being an offensive lineman. No one should really know your name, uh, until you do something wrong. <laughs> right, uh, right, so right. It, the guys you do know, they've been around the game for a while. And they've been in postseason series. So for them to be omitted from those, you know, big series uh, like we're dealing with here in the postseason, that's a bit strange. Something's not right. Guys can file a grievance. Um, they, they can even say there's certain biases, if you will, out there. So, hey, let's insert those guys. Let's, let's throw them a bone there in the, the wild card series or in the division series. But when I looked at the uh, umpires for these two series a couple of days ago, I, I was pretty happy because I didn't know a lot of them. You know, yeah. Dan Iasonia was a guy, he's, he's a fantastic uh, umpire featured a couple years ago in a fantastic documentary on MLB network about the umpires, I believe in the 2014 world series about what they were going through. And they talked about a couple missed calls and you see them going into the clubhouse 
uh, the umpires uh, clubhouse or locker room, if you will, and, and talking with Joe Torrey about the plays that they had missed. Uh, it was pretty fantastic. I, I haven't heard you know much talked about it. It's, again, it's over five years ago, but I thought that was a fantastic documentary. Uh, but I, Sonia was there. He's in these series and not a lot of other familiar names or notorious names, I should say. Yeah, which is also a shift from even last year. There were a lot of those guys who were there because of tenure. We talked with our you know, friend of the podcast, uh, Mark Williams, who came up with the Ump Score app and was measuring it and saw that some of the worst umpires in baseball were there umpiring some of the most important games. And that hasn't been the case this year. So like you said, maybe that's a, a really good sign of things to come that you know they're moving toward a more data-based analysis of who gets to umpire these important games as opposed to ah, who's been around the longest, whose names do we know? Because like you said, that's the exact opposite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Joe West has been around forever. Everybody knows Joe. Put him out there. Like, no, 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 no. No, that's the, that's the opposite of what you want here. So You know, but, but that's the system that our world runs by. Let's be honest, right? The True. more experience you have or the – which typically means you're a little bit older and you get more money or you get more opportunities. That's just kind of, you know, how, how the world works. You know, you could go up and down all 30 rosters and the first guys you're going to say are overpaid are the veterans that came on the free agency and we're over, you know, so that's just kind of how it goes, unfortunately, but, but you're right. Maybe there is some change that's being brought about. They figured how to work around the system to say, fine, you're going to have to deal with these guys in the regular season. Uh, it's, it's good fodder, you know, and in a way it, it is good fodder. It has us talking about it, but in the postseason when it really matters, we want to make sure the best of the best are out there on the field. Yeah. So we will continue to keep our eyes on these series. It's going to be, uh, a lot of fun again. We, you know, we, we talked yesterday. Um, I, I really am hoping that we can see a, <clears throat> a raise Braves world series and, you know, you, you never count your chickens before they hatch, as it were. But so far, so good in that category. Everybody hang on to where you're at. Would be nice if the Strohs could just get straight up swept. You know, just be nice. It would just be nice is all I'm saying. So. That would put a real, yeah, it would put a nice button on it in a lot of ways. But then you've got Tampa now having to sit out for a couple of days. And they're, they're going to get rusty, which, yeah. again, one thing at a time. You're right. That would be interesting. I definitely don't expect that. I, I do expect Houston to get at least one win, probably yeah, even two. Yeah, but I, I'm not giving them any more than that. Yeah, and then, like you said, I wouldn't wish that fate on anyone. <laughs> I know, I know what lies at the end of that tunnel. <laughs> uh, those layoffs. All right, cool. Well, let's jump into our big topic of the day. Don't have my Breck brew, my strawberry sky from yesterday. It was so good. You heard me talking about it. I ended up drinking the other ones that I had. Gonna have to head over then to my local liquor store. Usually. I go to King Supers here that's right close by me. You can find it pretty much anywhere. You can get it down at the DNVR bar on tap if you're mm. feeling like you want the real tasty stuff. But the best place to get it is, of course, at the Breckenridge Brewery itself, the farmhouse right on over there. You got to get the 303-803-1380 into your phone from noon to 8. Then you can go by, either pick up your food or you can sit down in their socially distanced, beautiful outdoor dining. Use promo code DNVR. You save five bucks off the food and the beer, and you get to drink some of the best beer in the world. Whether you're going with that Avalanche Amber Ale, the Strawberry Sky, the Hot Peak IPA, or my new personal favorite, and it's not just because I'm biased, also because it's delicious, 
the Palisade peach wheat. It is extraordinary. And even if you're not much of a beer drinker, but don't mind an adult beverage every once in a while, maybe you're more of a wine person or a mixed drink person. I'm not really into beers. Try, try the Palisade peach wheat from Breckenridge Brewery and tell me it's not delicious. Just, just tell I'll, I will take one testimony from one person who tells me that beer isn't delicious. And you know what? If, if, if I'm listening to you correctly, Drew, and I am a loyal listener of this podcast. In fact, every sure. day I do listen to this podcast, um, at least half of it, the part where I'm <laughs> No, but if I am a, if I am listening properly, if you're a member of the DNVR bar and you go and get some Breck Brew on tap, you will also get a larger right. beer. 60 yeah. ounces, you're going to get 22 ounces. Is that correct? Do I have all that correct? That, that's all correct. It's win -win. Those 22 ounce beers are, it's just amazing. Just the feel of it in your hands. Win -win. Fantastic stuff. And so while you have your Breck brew, you're kicking back, you're thinking about what could be going on with the Colorado Rockies. You're recognizing what Henry is recognizing here in the comments, which is that of the Rockies are going to become a championship team or even just a competitive team. They've got to fix this roster. They've got to, he mentions particularly the bullpen, bullpen, but talks about the roster in general. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of the way I, I want to break this conversation down, Patrick, is into those three elements. Though you could choose to frame it in a lot of different ways. Um, you could say, well, the Rockies need to make their defense better or the Rockies need to make their speed better. Um you could get really granular and say uh, the Rockies need to just hit more home runs or strike out less. Like all of those things could be true. And we can get into the weeds on each one of those a little bit more. But for a broad perspective, if we're looking at bringing players in from outside the organization, whether it's free agents or trades, you've got your starting rotation, you've got your bullpen, you've got your starting lineup, and you got your bench. Right. Or, or, or you could say your depth, your, your, your position player depth, if you even kind of want to include the last couple of guys in the lineup. So if you were Jeff Breidich and, the, and, and I this conversation has to be framed this way, by the way, big, huge, gigantic caveat, because every time I try to have this conversation on Twitter, invariably somebody comes in and says it doesn't matter because Jeff Breidich is in charge. And so whatever they do, they won't do it well. And it'll all play. You can say that literally about anything the Colorado Rockies can do and end the conversation there. But that is one boring and two, not at all constructive. And so we're going to move past that. It's like I asked the other day, you know, should the Rockies rebuild or should they retool? And some people were saying, well, they shouldn't rebuild because Jeff Breidich will just mess that up. And other people think, well, they shouldn't retool because Jeff Breidich will just mess that up. See, it's not an answer to the question. Like it, it doesn't tell you which way they should go. So we're going to put ourselves into that position. Take Jeff Breidich and Dick Monfort out of the equation. Because none of us can predict what human beings are going to do in the future. And so for just a moment, let's just take them out, give ourselves the task. So I am I am appointing myself owner of the Colorado Rockies for this theoretical conversation. So, you so we're and we're trying job. to get out, we're trying to get out of the Schrodinger Schrodinger's cat scenario where hey you rebuild now nah, he'll screw that up. They'll retool screw that up. So you know what? Schrodinger, Schrodinger's GM is kind right. of what we're trying to figure out here. Let's forget about that. Totally. It's, it's, it's literally, it's circular <laughs> logic. It doesn't, it doesn't move us anywhere. So 
I own the Rockies. I've appointed you my GM. We have this roster as it sits in front of us today. What is your recommendation? I want to know big. Before we start talking about players and names, I'm looking at the team. Do I need more quality starting pitching? Do I need more quality relievers? Do I need a big batter or two to come in here for the starting lineup, or should I be attacking depth with just extreme numbers? How should we prioritize those one through four? Well, Dick, if I can call you Dick, I mean, we've been working for if, if you one would. another for a while. Yes. Right. Um, the the first thing I would I would need to have if I was coming to the table for that meeting with with Dick Mofford, if I am Jeff Breidich, talking about what to add to this team, is I would need to know if I wanted to add to this team in 2021, or if I was looking to add to this team in 2024. Ultimately, is this a team that's worth adding on to? Is this a team that I feel does have an opportunity to even just make the playoffs is good. Doesn't necessarily have to be a world world series caliber team in the next year or two could just be a playoff contender, but I need to answer that question first before I decide to spend my boss's money. Because if the answer is no, I don't think this team, even if you were to add a couple supplemental pieces could do anything in 2021 then you have to look at a rebuild. Because even if, you know, one thing you, you stated yesterday when we were talking about Troy Tulowitzki, and man, if the Rockies maybe had dealt him a year earlier, again, hey, you know, we, we know what we know now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's real easy to speculate now. But if they had moved maybe a little sooner, the benefits that they would have reaped would have been much greater. So even if the Rockies say, well, let's give it one last ride in 2021, that could be very costly because you could lose Trevor Story with little to nothing. You'll put a qualifying offer on him, most certainly for you know just under twenty million dollars or twenty million dollars on the button. You get back a supplemental first round pick. Okay, uh, you might lose John Gray. You might not put a qualifying offer on him. So again, you lose another year. You lose another year of control on some of these guys, and you maybe don't trade when when the stock is high. And so it's, it's, it's a pretty important thing that I would need to know as a GM going in if I thought this team was worth kind of trying to give another year or two, or you know what, it, it's not going to make that much of a difference. We need to move on from this group and rebuild. Sure. You, yeah, you would absolutely need to know that. Um, uh, again, I, I guess what I would say here is uh, I, I, I've appointed myself the owner and here's probably how it would also work in real life. I'm not rebuilding. I'm not tearing it down. I'm not doing that. At least not until the trade deadline. This is the directive. You have no directive from on high to make this team worse. It is entirely your job at this moment to make the team as good as it can be. We'll, we'll worry about it. So now I could go and make the argument about why I, I don't think the Rockies should rebuild right now. And actually largely it, it would be that if I'm going to rebuild, I'll do it at next year's trade deadline. If I'm going to give up on this uh, version of the team, that will be on the table and still available to me at next year's trade deadline. And, and if we were having the back and forth, and again, if I was if I owned a team, I wouldn't just tell my GM, this is how we're doing it. I would also explain, here's part of the reason why. The biggest piece of a potential rebuild in my estimation, now you could argue Trevor Story, fine. 
it's either Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado at trade. And right now, Nolan Arenado is at an all-time low trade value coming off of the worst season of his career, and he was hurt. I suspect the calls you're getting, Mr. GM, are not particularly fantastic in terms of offers for Nolan right now. And I suspect he's going to play better when his shoulder isn't hurt. And so if we go through the first couple months of next season, he's back to the MVP caliber player we know he can be. We can pull the trigger on a rebuild at that point because not only will it still have been on the table, we'll actually get more out of it. We'll get more of our for our trade for our biggest piece, the most important part of the rebuild. And so for that reason, I redirect the question. Let's make this team as good as it can possibly be. Where are we starting? Well, boss, I knew you would say that. So that's why I, uh, this, 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 I'm prepared. this booklet of notes is actually empty. I didn't write anything in it. I just knew that was going to be the case. So let's just throw that one out the window. All right. And now over here, we have the real steps that I, I assumed you were going to go ahead and pick uh, because you are the one that are, is actually really pushing the buttons here as the owner of this team. So uh, that being said, I, uh, I know there's going to be some pushback in, in maybe signing some, some real big ticket names, uh, the biggest uh, of free agents, because, you know, frankly, a lot of those guys haven't worked out. And, you know, there, there could be some concerns about, you know, payroll going forward for all 30 major league teams as, you know, revenue streams in 2021, while they most certainly will be more than, you know, what we saw you know, this year because of the pandemic. Um, they are going to be a, a major disappointment as to what they were in 2019. They'll still be a fraction of, of, you know, what you'll get back in 2022. And there's no saying that it really won't be until 23, 24, maybe even 2025 until you see 3 million people come through the turnstile at Coors Field because we don't know the impact that this is going to have on people's, you know, overall social behaviors. So um, that being said, I, I, you know, I wouldn't really be kicking the tires on a Trevor Bauer, uh, although, man, would that be interesting. Um, okay. I, I would really look to, to lock up guys on more short-term you know, pillow contracts, kind mm. of you know, similar to the deal. Like, um, you know, for, for anyone who doesn't know what a pillow contract, it's, it's something that's you know, more than what you would typically pay a guy annually, but you're only paying them one year. So it's a real soft entry when they do get into, you know, uh, a more long-term contract. So like Josh Donaldson got like a one-year $20 million deal from Atlanta in 2019. Uh, went out, again, only got a, a four-year, 80-something million dollar. I think it might have been more like $75 million deal from Minnesota. So again, he didn't he didn't get his $100 million he was originally looking for last offseason. But with the, the pillow contract he got from Atlanta, overall, He's pretty happy. Mike Moustakas is a guy that that ended up happening to before he signed yeah. with Cincinnati. So I think you can find some good weird. deals. He's so underrated. Anyway. Yeah. Why and, Mike Moustakas is so underrated. <laughs> and and so I think, you know, Breidich could could very easily, you know, contact those agents and say, look, if you're not getting, you know, multi-year deals and you're getting one-year deals, call us back, let us know, and we will negotiate that because we are just looking for one year deals, maybe, maybe some two year deals. Um, but just being careful that you're not pushed into a corner and you give a guy two years when he was really only going to get one in the first place. And so you can, I think, I think you want to bring back Kevin Pillar. Uh, that's, that's your most cheapest uh, effective option, but then bringing in a lot of smaller short-term 
possibilities. I know guys like Jason Mott and Chad Qualls were not, you know, uh, didn't play out very well for them in their Colorado career, but I think you could go down that path again and try to get some affordable relief pitchers on short one to two year deals where, wow, this guy's getting paid $5 million. Like, shoot, he's, he's slightly below average. Well, yeah, he might've gotten, you know, a two year $5 million deal from somebody else, but the Rockies one and done, let's move on. So we're going to give you one year at $5 million. A lot of these smaller deals and short-term deals are really going to be the best option for this team because, as you said, it allows them to play both sides of the fence, which is not a great strategy in uh, my book, Patrick Lyons. But, again, as the GM now, um, it allows us to go ahead and turn around, and if things aren't working out great, we can go ahead and offload Kevin Pillar. Or we can even offload a guy that's on a two-year deal and just see if we can get everything we possibly can and and – and not be afraid to try to recoup some of those expenses, not just the financial expenses, but just try to recoup something for our organization so that it's not a completely lost year. They can bring in a couple of prospects to really try to, you know, flesh out a, a much better farm system because that is an issue. You can't just go out and acquire prospects without giving up something. So you know what? Short-term deals doesn't work out. We trade them in July and our, at least our farm system could slightly benefit. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking yesterday about uh, that 2014 team and some of the data we've put together on, you know, how successful teams and unsuccessful teams have been sort of structured and built. And one of the things that I, I noticed while going through there is that the Rockies throughout their history have very rarely have ever had um, a bunch of like quality relievers they've uh, their bullpen has almost always been extremely unbalanced when it's been great there are times it's been great 95 2007 2017 people don't actually remember how great that 2017 bullpen was especially when greg holland was at his best uh, and jake mcgee was phenomenal that year but so we, we talked about like so above average in terms of era plus right 100 or better and then that next grouping, solid, 90s, an ERA plus in the 90s. How many times have the Rockies had guys in their bullpen with ERA pluses in the 90s? Well, in 2015, they had four such players, which kind of blows my mind. Like, what? <laughs> like, totally random. Every other season in their history, so 2019, they had two guys who were in the 90s. Every other season, one or fewer. They can't get guys into the bullpen who are anything other than really good or epic disaster. And one has to wonder what would happen if you brought in some pillow contract players like you're talking about, who, if they're not Chad Falls, Jason Mott, Brian Shaw level of terrible, can just come in and be okay, what that might do to the stabilization of your roster. I think it's fascinating because we don't have hardly any examples of the Colorado Rockies having a bullpen that was fine. It's either, it's always either been fantastic or a disaster. Yeah. And say what you will about guys like Joe Harvey, Philip Deal, uh, James Pazos, who's, who's no longer with the organization, Jesus Tinoco, say what you will about those guys, but the Rockies obviously see something in them or, or, or have seen something in them. And while the, you know, they're not young kids anymore. They're not in their early 20s and barely in their mid-20s. They could potentially help out this team somewhat in 21. And 
because they are on, you know, quite favorable contracts and, and none of them have, have yet to go to arbitration yet, like they can be held on to for a while. So you can either go cheap and totally, you know, derail the careers of these young guys. And again, all right, fine. If you're your team, that's going to happen where you're going to ride a guy. The Rockies could have derailed Jairo Diaz's career, let's say. Now they gave him one. They, they brought him back. They took great care of him. Uh, and they should get all the credit in the world. But if we're talking about on the field, they could have totally derailed his career by how much they used him in 2019 and the beginning of this year in 2020. You might even say that could that could be the case with Carlos Estevez. We don't know. But you might not necessarily want to do that to your guys, your younger guys, when you see something in them. But you go and sign an older, more veteran guy, even a guy like Daniel Bard. You ride him out on, 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 yeah. until – you know, he's, he's riding on the rims and the tires are flat. Hey, that's fine. Those things can happen, but you definitely don't want that happening to some of your younger guys. You don't want right. Yancy Almonte being a right. two inning pitcher, you know, two out of every three nights. Like that is, that is not a, a recipe for a guy that you're going to keep around healthy for the next couple of seasons. So, you know what, those, those older veteran guys, they're going to be your sacrificial lambs. Unfortunately, that's, that's just the name of the game. That's how it goes. So you know, you're kind of, you know, erring on the side of caution with those young guys by having, bringing in some depth of those older arms and just saying, you know what, it's, it's better, better these guys. We're, we're paying you pretty darn well. We're compensating you with a couple of million dollars here. So, you know what, you're going to have to go out, even if your, your shoulder's a little bit balky, that's a better um, recipe, if you will, than sending out a young guy and not only messing him up mentally, but you could totally derail this guy. He needs Tommy John surgery. And now, now what have you got? Now you're back to square one yet again. Right. So we're out here trying to make some smart guy decisions. We've got a couple left in our theoretical off-season priority shifting here. But if you want to make some smart decisions, I recommend checking out MSU Denver online. Really fantastic setup they've got for you there. They've got programs in all kinds of different categories, whether you're trying to start a new uh, degree, whether you're trying to finish out an old one, you're just – picking up a couple of extra skills in life, and you want to get an online education from people who know what they're doing and aren't just now trying to figure it out, head over to msudenver.edu slash online. Check out the classes they've got there. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you've taken a class and give us your feedback. We've gotten a ton of positive feedback about the teachers, how responsive they are there, about skills that people have been able to pick up. So, again, check them out at msudenver.edu slash online so mr gm i have taken then let's let's fast forward a little bit into our theoretical but still generic off season where uh i have i've taken to your advice and i have i brought back kevin pilar which is i guess um we'll put that into the category of starting offense and i've signed let's say three maybe even four relievers on not nobody for more than Five million a year, all veteran guys. I've brought them in to the offseason. So, I mean, it does sound like we're saying here, and I, and I think this is correct that the number one positional priority, if you're going to try to make the club better, is the bullpen. Uh, I think it's where you've got to spend the vast majority of your focus, whether you believe in the big ticket item possibility, which is what they did last time with. Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and eventually Wade Davis or going the route that Patrick has suggested here um, that, that I'm buying for the sake of this 
yeah. Well, I also buy. I actually just agree that that's what they should do. But okay, so so we've done that, right? We've acquired three or four relievers um, who've all been okay other places. And we've brought them in. We've got Kevin Pillar back on the team. Now I've only got room to add one more player. Should I think about trying to get a veteran type of dude for that starting rotation? Or are we looking at another bat that can either be depth in that lineup, bench guy, maybe move somebody else into more of a utility role? We've got one move left. We've addressed the bullpen. That was our number one priority. A bat, all we got was Kevin Pillar, but still that was our number two priority. Where are we putting these last two? I think you go starting pitching. Now, you're going to get more pop. I think I think you can get more, a lot more bang for your buck, especially if we're talking about Coors Field uh, with, you know, a guy who can maybe play some first base, corner outfielder, uh, right-handed hitting type guy um, that you'll predominantly use at first base. But I just think it's it's needed a lot more on this team. And again, as a as a big Josh Fuentes fan, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, I I don't know that we're going to see him be an All Star. So I'm not even saying. Hey, because you have an all-star at first base, you don't need a first base. No, I just think the need is that great for the rotation. Not because they don't have three guys that have been reliable uh, in regards to innings and, and health, or four guys just in regards to their upside. It's because you have a black hole as your number five starter right now. Right. You don't have anybody. Right. Peter Lambert is waiting in the wings, and he's not going to be ready to provide uh, substantial innings until 2022 as he still recovers from Tommy John surgery. Uh, Ryan Castellani showed he's good. He's a, he's a guy that can be, you know, a positive contributor to this team given spot starts and that's fine. Jeff Hoffman, uh, the Rockies worked really well with him and, and he's, he's a bullpen guy going forward. That's yeah. that. You do have Ryan Rollison again, waiting in the wings. Uh, you could see him at some point. But ultimately, you have nobody to step in in that that five starter role again. Chichi Gonzalez is uh, is a is a solid maybe, but you know yeah. what? <laughs> that, that is you're right. That is exactly what he is a solid maybe. But even even when uh, you take that, Chichi. even when you take all right, maybe you get a half a year out of Chichi. Maybe you can get a month in September out of Ryan Rollison and Ryan Castellani. You're going to need for two more months, and that's that's not going to be terribly pretty. That's really bad. And again, what's what's going on with the bullpen at that point? Because again, Marquez, Senzatella, Freeland, and Gray, they're not going to be able to go six innings every single start. They might, they might not even be able to make every single start. So you you need Castellani and and Rollison to be there as a just in case. And there's there's some other guys, I'm sure. Uh, Ashton Godot can can make some spot starts. Antonio Santos, Jose Mojica. But ultimately, you need a guy that can go out and at least grind away innings. And it's crazy to say, um, but they almost need a Kyle Kendrick. Like, that's it. No, nothing sure, more. Sure. I mean, you certainly would want something more. Miles type. More, more like a like – a, really, <laughs> give me a few. No, but you're, you're 100% right. A 98 ERA plus. Yeah, that's that's it, and that's that's a guy that is going to be fine. Wade Miley, if you're looking to add another left-hander in your rotation, just a guy again. It's not going to break the bank. Uh, again, he's a he's a veteran player. If he has a little postseason experience, then again, 
at the trade deadline, if you're not in it, another team is going to, you know, pay you somewhat handsome, handsomely, especially if he's a left-handed starter, like a Wade Miley. I've that door before. I, I, yeah. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's one that's come up a couple of times. And um, I've always been interested in what Wade Miley might be able to do with his particular stuff and delivery at Coors. And yeah, you get a solid, that's a perfect, a perfect, that, that actually may be <laughs> like literally a guy. We haven't even looked at the list yet, but uh, Wade Miley would be absolutely, I, th I think, fantastic. Going back to those numbers, again, uh, you know, I don't want to give away too much for that article that I'm working on, but years in which the Colorado Rockies have had pitchers who were above a 100 ERA plus, four or more of those guys in their rotation, they've actually managed to do that one, two, three, four, five, six times, five times. They've gone to the postseason. The, the only time that they managed to have four guys in their starting rotation who pitched at a 100 ERA plus or better throughout the 10, course of a season. 2010? Close. It's actually 2016. The, the just before this coming-of-age team, the Trevor Story is a rookie. He got hurt. Mark Reynolds got hurt. Young team that the, the, the position players weren't quite – uh, fully ready to go yet, but um, yeah, every other time they've had a starting rotation where everyone could go. And like you said, you look at these guys and you go, well, you know, you need gray to, to bounce back a little bit. Whatever we just saw from gray is, is in a weird spot, but if you get now your average of Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez, that gets you to two, right? If we're assuming that, Antonio Sensatella has figured some stuff out now, and he can even take a step back next year. He was well above this 100 ERA plus this year. So, you know, if you, you split the difference between who he's been and now he's a 110 guy, that's a solid number three. John Gray has been – actually, John Gray has led the team in ERA plus twice in his career. So that's your number four guy, but maybe. We know the injuries. We've seen Gray and Freeland – and Marquez have their pushbacks. We're, we're not totally sold about Senzatella. And I think that's why your argument here is so cogent. Because then, you know, you can start selling yourself on Peter Lambert, Ryan Castellani, Ryan Rollison, and maybe Chichi Gonzalez. Is, <laughs> the It should basically be his name now. And maybe Chichi Gonzalez. Um, but you add a veteran to that where maybe now you can afford for one of your top three to slip or be hurt or be injured and still have four starters who are at or above league average, that keeps you in the hunt. It's, it's never failed to keep the Colorado Rockies at least in the hunt. And so I'm with you, even though it's probably the biggest strength of their team, acquiring a one more solid starter could, I think, go a, a lot longer toward making this team more competitive than, than people realize. Yeah. And you look at what Colorado did this, uh, this off season and I, this past off season, I, it really wasn't this past off season. It was basically from February, you know, to summer training where they yeah. picked up Chris Owings. They picked up Daniel Bard, Matt Kemp, Elias Diaz. So like they picked all the, the guys that were up on the scrap heap and they played, you know, relatively well. Um, and, and so I think you can do that again and you can kind of pick, you know, put pieces together and do that. You, you just can't do that with starting pitching, unfortunately. Right. So you can, you can figure out a way, you know, totally. to bring in, 
bring in some guys. I think you might even see Owings return. Diaz almost certainly is going to be back. Um, so I, I think you can go go back and, and do something really similar again this year. Not exciting, not flashy. You know, if if Kevin Pillar is the biggest bat you're you're bringing in or bringing back, but nevertheless, I think you can you know patch it up well enough that with Nolan being you know that much better this year and being consistent throughout the year, even Charlie having an overall better year because he. He was, you know, if you go back and look at the numbers, he was in the bottom percentile of, of hitters for, you know, that, that final month of the season. He was, he really disappeared. So, you know, that's not going to happen again this year. So, all right, if you've got to piece it together and you have a, uh, a very strange right-left platoon at first base, so be it. And, and you can totally. get by because there's still enough young bodies on this team on the offensive side that they can, they can improve. Just can't count on that from the fifth starter role. That's where you got to go in free agency. Absolutely. It just, it, it so dramatically increases your odds of being able to succeed uh, despite the offense. You know, we'll, we'll keep talking about this more and more. And I, I am working on the article. So hopefully everyone subscribe to the dnbr.com. But while it does look like, you know, balance is important, what I've basically discovered is this. Colorado Rockies cannot out hit their way from bad pitching, but they can out pitch their way away from a mediocre offense. Maybe not a disaster of an offense, but if, if the offense comes back next year and is a 90 OPS plus offense, which is kind of what they've been, it's what they were, you know, in, in 2019, um, which, which is bad. Uh, it's well below league average. With good enough pitching, you can overcome that. And it doesn't work the other way around, at least not, or at least it hasn't yet for the Colorado Rockies. So it'll be fascinating. But that, that I think, is part of the reason, back to your other question about rebuild or not rebuild, as to why not, is, well, I've already got on my team, if I'm the owner, of Kez, Freeland, Gray, Senzatella, four guys I feel fairly confident can pitch at a 100 ERA plus or better next year. Um, and that four guys, like we said, four guys pitching in an ERA plus of 100 or better, that gets the Rockies into the postseason 90% of the time. Now you can't count on them all to be healthy. And, and we, we went through that and, and to have zero step, but that's why that grabbing that fifth, that insurance policy, that other person who could be your fourth, where Castellani, I don't feel confident. Lambert, you can't say that about any of those guys. In fact, any of them could be a 70 ERA plus guy. And that, as we've seen, destroys your team. There are plenty of times where the Rockies have had three above average pitchers and the last two spots were total black holes. The, the biggest example of that was 2013. And because of that, that team was awful. They had three fantastic starting pitchers in Jolis de la Chatwood. And after that, total black hole you have to have four it's the magic number patrick you gotta have four of them yeah yeah it's it's a challenge because as you said it, it's it's both as simple and as complicated as if you get if you get those starts out of those four guys you're probably going to make the playoffs but it's also as as difficult as saying you have to you get all of that and more from those four guys and if you don't that uh, that can be catastrophic because you know. Yeah, the flip side is that every time the Rockies have failed, 
to have four guys meet that mark. They've missed the postseason, right? <laughs> right. Well, no, I, I, I just say it's true, but I, I say it's <laughs> catastrophic just because it, it could put a rebuild, you know, behind in, in a major way, you know, when for these teams that have been tanking, four years has been usually the, the length of period it takes if you do it right. For others, it's five, others, six. I mean, Chicago White Sox, shoot, they, they were they were at about the six-year mark, and they're finally coming around. They just fired their manager, and Tony La Russa might be coming out of retirement, which uh, I don't think is a, is a great fit. You never want to hire – you never want to hire a legendary member of an organization as your manager because then you can never fire them. That's one of the reasons why Don Mattingly was never made the manager in New York because right. it was – it was the perfect fit for everybody other than the Steinbrenner family because now you're in a lose-lose situation where you got to get rid of this this legend that the fans, you know, love. Even if they are are, are frustrated by their decision, his decisions, there's going to be another half that goes, "That's Donnie baseball." I we can't. So, you know, if if you miss, you know, in in 2021. Who, who knows when you're able to get back and, and you, you only have one opportunity to trade Trevor story at, at the top of his value, let's say this off season or Nolan or John Gray or any of the other pieces that uh, you might, you know, get some really solid offers on. So again, I, it's, it's, it's hard to know uh, until I mean, you just- ask the fact, but you, you have to be decisive. Jeff Breidich does need to know um, if, this is a team that can still win with with its core and and or I should say the young guys the the next tier guys you really need because even if even if it doesn't work out in 2021 again we don't know about story and gray but even if they do come back you have to have David Dahl be a perennial all-star you almost have to have Ryan McMahon step up and become that all-star Tapia needs to continue to contribute the way he's done. Same thing with those starting pitchers because, unfortunately, the farm system is a little depleted right now. And so it's if you've got a plan and Jeff Breidich knows what he needs to do one way or the other, okay, you get a shot to do it. Um, well, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and I mean uh, – <laughs> Well, we'll, we will get into the debate about whether or not the Colorado Rockies should do a nuclear rebuild and tear everything down and and tank, and we'll have that conversation, but just tank. understand all of it's this. It's got to be tank. Yeah, and like I like that you said tank. nuclear rebuild, because and, I think a lot of people, when they think rebuild, it's just like, all right, eh, this team's not going to do it. Let's trade a couple guys. Let's bring in a couple guys. Like that's right. That's typically how teams in the past have operated. And then this kind of Pandora's box opened up a decade ago and teams go, wait, 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 wait. Why just get rid of a handful of guys? Let's really suck it up. Let's lose a hundred games. And that became, that's the best way to go about it. It's also the most painful way, but that's the best. I, so I like that you I said strongly nuclear. disagree, but regard, again, we'll, we'll get into the, the debate about whether or not nuclear rebuild. I like that as defining the difference. Oh, it is. And and it's very important, but here's what I'm going to tell you right now. It's a theoretical conversation. A hundred percent. The Colorado Rockies will not commit to a nuclear rebuild and they're not going at any point ever. And so while it's, it's interesting to have that conversation in theory, 
it's not particularly constructive for what the Colorado Rockies are going to do and who they're going to be. So like it, it's, it, I, I definitely think it's a very interesting conversation, but I, I just want to, uh, Would again, you be because, in favor of that. Would you be in favor no, of, of such a no. thing? But uh, again, that, that, that's a, it's a much longer conversation. Wait, are you Dick Montfort? What kind of hat is that? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, or are you Drew? Hold on, wait a minute. Which role? Which role is he playing now? No, just generally speaking, actually philosophically, I think nuclear sure. rebuilds are bad for the game of baseball. And we, again, we can get into all of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just against it. But I also think that there are pragmatic and concrete reasons why there the the risks outweigh for me the potential. Uh, reward. But again, I, I do want to have that conversation because I think it's a fun one and, and I think it's really interesting, Very but fun. I think it's really, 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 really important that Colorado Rockies fans separate themselves from that conversation and everything else that we have to do in terms of thinking about literally who they have with that. And like you said, uh, ultimately this will go, this will stop being theory at some point and we'll get to talk about moves they've actually made. We'll understand the direction that they're taking and we'll have to analyze each one of those moves based on their own merit. And what we can't do is go, well, they signed so-and-so and that's not a move toward a nuclear rebuild. So it's a crap move because they're not going the direction that they should be going. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it, to, to do that for every single conversation makes it infinitely regressive, which, oh, I got to pull out an old debate term. I haven't had one of those in a while, but it's like it can be the answer to to every question that you have. And so in recognition. So I, I guess what I'm saying is here's how I'll be proceeding, except for when we uh, obviously hash it out, maybe sometime this week, probably sometime next week, the the theoretical debate between tanking and rebuilding versus not is simply to say that the vast majority of the time I'm going to be on the working assumption, it's not even an assumption, the working knowledge that they won't be doing that. And so I'm going to be analyzing how best they can try to win baseball games. Colorado Rockies are going to try to build to the best of their abilities. And we, we all want to talk about their abilities to build. And I understand that too. And that's very much on the table. But I'll be talking about their ability to do what they're trying to do and not kind of insist that instead they do what I think that they should do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, I, I think that it's, it's still important conversation to have and we, and we're going to, and absolutely right. right. Is this idea of like, well, well, should they, should they really, you know, entertain a strategy like that and, and what that means and, you know, yeah, it, it means you don't win ball games next year. It means you don't win ball games in two years. It literally means you are not going to be winning a lot of ball games in three or four years from now, which you're right, is not the, the Rockies' modus operandi. But if their modus operandi was to win a World Series, and maybe it means win a World Series at all cost, then they should look to do something like that. And I, and I get it. You know, when you, if you own a team and you've earned that money, you know, you're going to want to win the way you want to win. Houston Astros, they won a world series. Well, I was going to say, it came at, at a cost. cost. Exactly. Cost. Right. And you go, and really? That's was that thing. really, were you okay with that decision? And I think they would now probably go, ah, shoot. No. Um, then there's a lot, there's probably a lot of other, you know, front offices or ownerships that might say that, uh, not a lot, but I, I think 
you know, we've, we've, you know, you're right. You have a, you have a great grasp of, you know, what the Rockies organization has, has done in, in their history and kind of, you know, the moves that they've made, it's had the same kind of tangential line of like, this is just kind of how they operate. You have to accept it. And I, and I, and I think that's right. And that's why we're going to kind of stick to those parameters, but it certainly is interesting to think, well, if, if they were to change kind of how they did their business, would it actually be better for the franchise? That's that's a fun conversation to have too. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. And and we definitely will. Like I said, we'll dive into that one. And and it'll be fun because I think there are a lot of it's one of those things where I think there are just as many good arguments on both sides of the tank yeah. or not tank debate. Um, I I and in other sports, you know, and I think in the NBA, uh, it's almost like if you don't tank it, you, the statement that you right. you said times on this podcast which is if you're not good at, at winning you should be good at losing it's a thousand percent more true in the nba than it yeah. is anywhere else because of the difference one player can make and because of the way their draft is set up and and all of the, the process trust yeah, the process trust that process yeah. baby um but uh, so and I, so i have in my life made very strong arguments in the nba about when the when i thought the nuggets should tank and so it's not one of those things where it's like an there are ideological elements to it as well. You heard me say earlier, I think it's bad for the game of baseball, but um, there's just so many different facets to it. So it'll be really interesting to to dive into it for sure. For now though, I think we've laid out a pretty solid um, priority list for what the Colorado Rockies should be doing if their goal is to make their team better. And, and I think it'll be pretty close to the way they operate. They're going to tackle that bullpen. They're probably going to try to bring in a bat. I wouldn't be at all surprised if, Patrick has nailed that and it's Kevin Pillar and that's really the only starting bat that they bring in and people are not happy with it. And we basically have to, you know, evaluate whether or not they've made themselves better in the off season on the pitching that they bring in and um, whether or not they can get that fifth rotation. I think they'll look at that too. Uh, that, that veteran thing, uh, you know, uh, and reading a couple of things, our, our friend Thomas Harding floated the name Marcelo Zuna, which I don't understand that, but suggest to me they maybe are ready to spend some money. Like when Thomas Harding floats names, you, you, you perk your eyes up a little bit because he, he often he knows things. And and so you go, you didn't get that from nowhere. Um, I don't think that's a great fit. And we'll get into, you know, again, we'll, we'll do specific free agents in a while. But it, it'd be people would be way more excited about that than Kevin Pillar. And it'd be a big ticket item it'd be a you know it'd be a thing it, it'd be them saying hey look we're trying to win here's a good ball player we're bringing in but i think you're i think you've laid out the priority list right here for sure yeah it's going to be exciting to to look at all these all these things and more it's going to be another long off season uh but hopefully it it ends when it's supposed to uh, and, and <laughs> once we get spring training back <laughs> oh totally I think they're going to have a very active off season. I'll tell you that much. I think, I they're think going baseball to is going to reverse their calendar and the off season is going to be the length of the regular season. So we're, we're going to continue to have three month seasons, nine oh, month man. off seasons. And, uh, and everyone gets in the playoffs. Yeah. And we keep putting and, a runner on second. Can we stop that? Can we and stop viewership that? continues to go down and less and less people play baseball. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's dystopian be future. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Well, we'll keep you up to date on all of that. <laughs> if you follow us here, 
subscribe to the dnvr.com make sure you're following us on social media at drew creaseman at patrick d lines at dnvr underscore rockies uh you get if you're subscribed to the dnvr.com by the way as we said earlier you get discounts on all kinds of stuff hats shirts masks you get a bigger bar come on down nope i did it again a bigger bar when you come on down to the dnvr beer and you get our bars are bigger because we're socially distanced so that's true bigger quite a it's a very large bar and you, you can be socially distanced from people you can watch whatever sports are left on tv in this dystopian nightmare that we have we got to get up we got to convince everyone in the company to get on board the wwe train wrestling is the only way we're going to get through this winter dude or aew or aew I, even, I have got to get out of that habit because i am an aew man now i have i've flipped and it happened way faster than i thought i would i've been a I've been a defender of the E, as the kids call it, for many, many years. And well, you know what, can't. though, Drew? And, and again, I got to take you to task. You are biased as you are very friendly and familiar with several employees of AEW. So I don't know <laughs> if I can actually trust your opinion. You Maybe WWE is just as good, if not better, than AEW. But I think you're – and again, that, that shows what kind of guy you are. You're always, you always do want to support your friends. Just want to, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that part of it, but yeah, you're right. Most of them on the dark. Let's go, let's go. Those guys. Only one of the people that came out here locally that we kind of met and was super. Well, two of them, I guess. Tessa Blanchard's uh, out there in limbo, I guess, right now. And Ricochet uh, was was the probably the biggest name, but yeah. Then there's like half the AEW roster. That I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Anyway, stick with us for more wrestling chat in the future. Uh, hey, we didn't get into anything till we were uh, like the Minute, sign like off. 55. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it's it. a new record for us. So, so you're welcome or sorry, depending on if, you know, if, you, if, you, yeah, if you're linked up on that. Which way you go for that. Thanks for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there, everybody. Join us again tomorrow for the DFA show. We're going to be talking about championship series of the past. Of course, that means going into the Wayback Machine, talking about the Rockies in 07 and their sweep against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But we're also going to be sharing with you some of our favorite memories or just favorite championship series from years past. There have been a lot of fun, weird, and interesting ones since we're in the championship series now. We'll be joining uh, we'll be doing all that. If you want to join us for that and do a little trivia with us, let us know. Hit us up on the social media or in our Discord chat. Make sure that you're in our Discord chat, by the way. I oftentimes forget to uh, throw that out there. But hit us up with your questions in there as well. Continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creasman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.